Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord, uh, it just seems fitting now, uh, post-election, to just join together in praying for our nation. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for cooperation. We pray that parties will compromise for the common good. Lord, we also pray that the acts of hate crime and, and terrorism in our country pointed toward minorities and the vulnerable, Lord, that they would stop and give us, Jesus, those who belong to you, the courage to stand up for those who have been terrorized, who have been victims of hate crimes. Lord, we ask that our voices will, will be among those who stand up for righteousness and justice and mercy. And Lord, we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right now. Lord, sometimes I think that we, we come to church with low expectations because we've been here so many times before. Lord, make us expectant people now. Kind of on tiptoes in our hearts, waiting to hear that word that's not almost going to be spoken, but that's going to, that we're going to sense in our hearts and our minds that direct word from you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last Sunday we gave out wristbands, uh, green wristbands. So how many of you were here last Sunday when we did that? You got a wristband. All right, almost most of you here. You got a wristband. And I, I said, well, make it your aim sometime to give away that wristband. When you meet somebody, because a wristband says, God, increase my hope. And so when you meet somebody who just needs hope, Offer them the wristband. Give them the wristband. And, uh, and then encourage them that sometime later they may meet, may meet someone who needs hope. And you, they, you can, they can give it to that person. It can just kind of keep carrying on. So I'm curious if some of you have already given away your wristband. I know I did. A number of you did. Okay, so here I'm going to put you on the spot here. I don't have anybody planted to, to do this. So tell me a story about giving away your wristband. I mean, you can withhold names, that's great, but what, what happened, who did you kind of, what was the circumstances of giving away the wristband, and just kind of raise your hand or stand up, and Don will bring a microphone. Yeah, we got back here. All right, I think that's Laura. I can't quite see her from here, but okay. Hi. I'm Laura. I haven't given it to her yet because she's been in the hospital, but my friend's mom has stage four lung cancer, Okay. so I'm going to give it to her. All right, very good. Thank you, Laura. Who else has one that you, you get? We, we have one here and over here, too, maybe. I gave my wristband away to a gentleman at work. Very good. His daughter had a baby prematurely about three weeks early. Yeah, very good. All right, thank you, Sharon. And uh, we got Nicole over here. Don, you're getting your exercise today between Last carrying service, bags we had two and mics. <laughs> doing this. So, no, I gave mine to my boss. We've been having a lot of changes at work, and she had a stressful week. So, 
I'm sorry. Tra I gave mine to my boss to at your work. Boss. Yeah, we've had a lot of stressful changes at work, and she needed it. Definitely. Okay. So. She, she needed, through all those struggles, it was just kind of a sign of hope. Thank you very much. All right, well, I don't know. We might do this another time, have you just share uh, stories about giving away your bracelets. So kind of be thinking about that. But even if you don't, I hope you find an opportunity. God gives you one to just share a little sign of hope. All right. Um, today and next Sunday is all about sharing hope. And our theme for these two Sundays is this. The more hope you share, the more hope you have. Do you believe that? All right. I want you to say it with me, and I'll, you can kind of repeat after me. The more hope you share, the more hope you have. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, AA. You know, part of maintaining sobriety is helping other people take their steps to stay sober. And to me, the way I look at it, a church is kind of like Sinners Anonymous, right? Hi, my name is Steve, and I'm a sinner. And everybody say, hi, Steve. Yeah. I'm a recovering sinner. I, I once was lost, but now am found. We are sinners rescued by Jesus, and we're taking the steps of recovery called discipleship. And one way that we it helps us to maintain a recovery is to help other people get rescued and take their steps of recovery. So the more hope we share, the more hope we have. And the hope that we share is the hope of the gospel. And the gospel says that there is a God, and this God is always ready with a second chance. And no matter how many second chances you've had before, God comes back, he's ready again with another second chance. Now don't get me wrong, God judges sin. Sin carries consequences. Sin brings death. But with God, there is also abundant mercy. When Jesus died on the cross, he was just showing us how far God will go to bring us that mercy. So today, I have three scripture-based statements about sharing the hope of the gospel. And uh, so, Dave, let's go ahead and put that up on the screen now. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first part in the white letters, and you'll read the part in yellow, which is actually the quote from Scripture. And I'm going to leave this up pretty much the whole sermon, so you'll have time to, to copy it down if you'd like to. All right? So I'll say my part in white. You say your part in yellow, nice and strong, all right? Many are living. Our desire is to bring them... We share. What do you think about that? Does that ring true for you? I, I want us to say it again and just kind of let it sink in a little more, okay? Because we're just getting acquainted with it. Let's try it again. Many are living. Our desire is to bring them We share. So let's take them one at a time. Many are living without hope and without God in the world. You know, one time I went to a, a conference in another state, and the church where the conference was being held was out in the country. And at the end of the day, 
uh, I, I left the church campus there to go back to my hotel. What I didn't realize is that I was leaving the parking lot for, uh, through a different driveway than the one I had come in. And so without uh, realizing it, my mental map was off 90 degrees. And I got so lost, let me tell you. And what made it worse is that I kept driving thinking pretty sure I knew where I was, where I was going. I didn't realize how lost I was. I kept driving confident that I knew where I was going. Meanwhile, I was getting loster and loster. Eventually, though, when I finally realized I wasn't getting where I wanted to be, I was able to retrace my route back to the church and start over. You know it's the same in life. There are many who are lost who have no idea how lost they are. For example, you know, a lot of people believe in heaven. Don't you know, right? A lot of people believe. I mean, at least at funerals they say they do. They believe in heaven, and they believe they're going to heaven. But let me tell you, unless their hearts are changed, even when they die, they won't want to be in heaven. They won't want to be in a place where Jesus reigns. They'd rather love run their lives their own way. They'd rather be in a hell of their own making. As I've said before, hell is for people who'd be miserable in heaven. What do you think of that? Hell is for people who would be miserable in heaven. I mean, that's the human predicament. We'd rather go our own way. We'd rather do what I want to do, my own thing. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, centuries before Jesus, uh, diagnosed our condition this way. He said, we all, we all like sheep have gone astray. Uh, all of us, each of us has turned to our own way. And it doesn't matter if you are Republican or Democrat or male or female or gay or straight or light-skinned or dark-skinned, we've all turned away. You know, I think about it. You read the Bible and you find out that we humans are a strange combination. Uh, on the one hand, we are made in the image of God. What a powerful, beautiful thing that we are a reflection of God. And on the other hand, we have been infected with deep sin. Capital D, capital S, deep sin. We've inherited it, but we also choose it. Now, sin doesn't remove the image of God, but it badly distorts it. Even every area of our lives is infected with it. Even our, our good uh, qualities, even our most noble actions are laced with this deep sin. I saw a quote the other day from Tim Keller. Sin is not simply doing bad things, although that's also true. Sin is doing bad things. But he said, sin is not simply doing bad things. It is putting good things in the place of God. For example, it's a, good, it's a good thing to have enough money. But when money becomes our idol, our goal in life, our life revolves around it, that's sin. 
Sexuality is God's good gift for marriage. Uh, but when sex becomes our God, the focus of our lives, that which we draw uh, our, our greatest desire for, then it becomes a big problem. It becomes sin. What, whatever it is, your career, your children, your health, your home, your friends, they're all, they may be good gifts, but they make terrible gods. Sin is not simply doing bad things. It is putting good things in the place of God. And unless we are rescued we're going to stay there. We're going to stay stuck in our sin, slaves to our sin. Many are living without hope and without God in the world. Last month, we sent out 931 invitations to our trunk and treat. You saw the map, right? We're during the children's time. Um, and each one of those 931 homes has at least one child between the ages of 3 and 12. And in that, actually it's the zip code, the 68137 zip code, more than 25,000 people live in this zip code where the church is. And I would guess that most of them, more than half of them, are living lives far from God. Most of them do not know the hope of the gospel. Even, even some who go to church are living without hope and without God. Because let's face it, sometimes religious people have the hardest hearts. You ever seen that to be true? I mean, who are the people who opposed Jesus? It was the most religious people. Because we like to think that we're better than other people, right? I mean, we love to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, except that we don't really like to believe that we're wretched sinners who need saving. That's how deep our sin goes. Many are living without hope and without God in the world. But there is hope. It is the hope of the gospel. God sent his son to rescue us from our sins and ourselves. He is our hope. He is our salvation. And the more hope we share, the more hope we have. Which leads to our second statement. Our desire is to bring them what? Say it with me. The hope held out in the gospel. God loves people way too much to let them go. So Jesus took our deep sin upon himself. He carried it with him into death and into judgment. Jesus is the righteous one. Only he could bear our deep sin and pay its awful price, and he did. That's the hope of the gospel. And once he rescues us and pours his love of the Holy Spirit into us, it overflows to others. That's why we desire to bring them the hope held out in the gospel. You know, God gave me a bit of clarity this week. Our goal at Faith Westwood should not be that the church grow. That's not our goal. That's not what we're about, trying to grow the church. If our goal is to grow the church, then it's all about the church. It's all about us. People become inventory. Right? 
They become cogs in the machine of the organization. Our mission is not about to grow the church. Our mission is to help fellow sinners find and follow Jesus. That's why we share the gospel. People need to hear the bad news that their deep sin is worse than they imagined, and they need to hear the good news that God loves them more than they imagined. They need to hear the good news that Jesus has come to rescue them and to make them new. That's hope. And sharing the gospel is always personal. That's why our last scripture-based statement is this. We share what? We share not only the gospel, but our lives as well. I heard a young mom tell about um, how she gets into conversations with other parents, other moms at the local playground, at the, at the park where, you know, the parents take their kids. Um, and after she gets to know somebody a little bit, you know, she would maybe invite them over for lunch, you know, just something casual. You know, she'll toss up some green salad, make, make a couple of sandwiches, and just visit because she's interested in them. She's just genuinely inter interested in them. She cares enough to ask them good questions and get to know them, which opens the door to deeper conversations. And then when she feels the time is right, she invites them to a class that her church has on just sort of the basics of faith, how to get started. And some of them say, yeah, I'll try that. And so they, they, they go to that, and, and all along the way, she's praying. Praying for them. Just seeing, being open to whatever God might be leading in this situation. You see, we, it, it, she, she's sharing not only the gospel, but her life as well. And you know, that's what our invitational value is. I know some of you, maybe you, you go by it every Sunday. In the main entrance, we have the, the banners of the five values, and one of them is being invitational. And it says this, we invite others into our lives and into a relationship with God. But where does that have to start? It has to start with inviting people into our lives, right? So, I'm going to ask you to join me with me we're going to end by saying these three statements one more time and again I'll read the, the beginning part and you read the scripture portion many are living our desire is to bring them we share will you pray with me Oh, Lord, I know that your heart is burdened for those who don't know you, who don't have this hope, this, this confidence that they belong to you. So, Lord, if that burden is on your heart, place it on our hearts. Show us how to share that hope with others. Lord, give us that little spirit-powered love and boldness to invite people into our lives and, and somehow to watch it happen that we can invite them into a relationship with you. 
as we continue to pray, I would realize that some of us here today, some of you are realizing that maybe your life in some way is, is not in, in step with God. That you're still trying to kind of run your life my way, I'm going to do my thing, and, it's, and that's how my life is. And as a result, you are a slave to it. Some good things now have, have come into the place of God. But today you realize that's not how you want to be and that there is hope and God is opening your heart and he's giving you the opportunity to say yes to something brand new. And if that's where you are today, I'm just going to ask you to, re to pray and repeat after me. And I want all of you who have already uh, believed in Jesus and, and are walking with him and he is the hope of your life to, to join us and, and support them and repeating after me this prayer. So let's all join together. Jesus, come and save me. Forgive me all my sins. Work your miracle in my life. Put me on a new path following you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I need to tell you that I'm not really done with my sermon. <laughs> We're going to sing a song, and then I've got a little piece of it left for you. All right. Now, Laura read the scripture earlier, and I didn't talk about it at all, but we're going to touch on it a little bit now um, because part of sharing the gospel is giving to the work of the gospel, right? Part of sharing the gospel is giving to the work of the gospel, and that's what the believers in Philippi did, and that's why Paul wrote them the letter that we have in the Bible called the letter to the Philippians. It was a thank you note from Paul. And uh, so in, in chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, I'll put this on the screen. It says, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, and Philippi was a, a city in the district of Macedonia, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, which is a neighboring city, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. And so that's probably why in the beginning of the letter, Paul starts out by calling them his partners in the gospel. Their partnership in the gospel. They gave so that the hope of the gospel could be brought to others. So anyway, today I'd like to bring uh, Jen Robinson uh, forward. Some of you have gotten to know Jen. Uh, she is our director of guest connections, and she's been on the job, what, three weeks now, something like that. Maybe today is your fourth Sunday. So um, anyway, um, I wanted you to get to know her, and also she has uh, something to share but Jen, tell us a little bit, little bit about yourself. Um, I'm originally from Minnesota. Minnesota? Yes. And you're okay with being in Nebraska? I am very okay with okay. being in Nebraska. Just checking, just checking. All right. Go Huskers. <laughs> oh! 
We have a convert, right? <laughs> um, I've had a chance to live in the mountains and the beach and now here in the heartland. So I'm feeling very, very thankful for that. Yeah. I wear many hats. Uh, wife to my husband, Chris. Um, mom to five kids. <laughs> um, I'm a seminary student and um, my favorite hat is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, one of the things you had shared me, with me another time was that you and your husband, Chris, made a really big and important decision about a year ago. Can you tell us what happened and kind of how all that transpired? Um, the church that I was attending was getting ready to do a big um, tithing sermon series, and it was called the 90-Day Challenge. And so before they did the series, I had a chance to view some of it ahead of time and they discussed it with my husband, and I said, and you can know... You, can you tell us what tithing is? Because maybe not oh, everybody knows what that might be. Yeah, tithing is giving back the first fruits of what God has given you. God gives us everything. It's not ours. So it's giving him the first, the top 10%, and not the leftovers. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not giving. It's not offering. That's above and beyond. Okay. Uh, with this series, uh, I spoke to my husband about it, and we decided um, that we would begin tithing um, and giving back God what was his anyway. And so we started a year ago. Wow. So what's that been like? <laughs> it's been fabulous. Um, we feel like there's like a, a hedge of protection around us, almost like a bubble. And it's, we know, we trust that God is providing for us what we need. So does that mean bad things won't happen? No. <laughs> what, what does that mean then? Uh, it means that we feel uh, more free from worry and anxiety, anxiety about different things. Um, we know that God is there for us and that we know um, if we do have a need, we can go to him and trust him for that. Yeah. You know, not, I think sometimes there are misconceptions about tithing have you come across any or had to deal with any or there's yes there's still some um, belief that um, I I want to take that money and give it to a charity or whatever and I think that's the hardest part for people to understand that it's not necessarily a money issue it's a heart it's a trust issue okay a trust issue so um, are you are you glad you did it you and Chris made this decision Absolutely. We wouldn't have it any other way. So. All right. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. All right. Thank you very much, Jen. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hearing Jen's story reminded me that, you know, Trish and I made a similar decision when we were first married, that we were going to give God that 10% right off the top. And there are some times when that's been... Uh, really challenging. There have been times in our lives where we realized, but on the other hand, we just sort of do it automatically because we realize, okay, this is, we just, we live off the 90% and then, you know, I think here in, in later years, God's blessed us so much, we're, it just, it's a joy to do even more than that and, and it just seems like a, a great honor to be able to and uh, so, you know, Jesus, you know, he wanted people to sort of give it all but he also endorsed tithing. And uh, he said, yeah, go ahead and tithe, but don't make tithing a substitute for living faithfully and 
showing justice and mercy to people. It's never a substitute. And I would imagine that there are some of you that God has been, or maybe even just is now, you're tapping you on the shoulder and said, you know, you've heard about tithing for a long time. This is your step of faith. Take the step of faith. A lot of other people have. And uh, maybe you'll have to pray about that a little more. That's all right. Talk about it with your family. See if uh, you're ready to, to take that step. Um, I want you to know, too, that this week you're going to, if you're a part of our church, you're going to receive a letter from me. And in that letter will also be a card with our opportunity for us to each make our, our commitment of what we'll be uh, giving to the church in 2017. And um, so I'm going to ask you to bring that with you next Sunday. And I always think it is a very moving thing when you see, I mean, everybody just gets up from their seats and brings this envelope and the card inside and puts it in one of the baskets up front saying, okay, I'm a part of this too. I want to be a part of sharing the gospel. And one way I do that is by giving to the work of the gospel. All right, let's pray. Lord, we know that there are many who are without hope and don't know you. And, um, they, you know, just like we all do, we try to piece together a meaningful life as best we can. And, but when we do, so oftentimes we just go astray. We get farther and farther lost and don't even know it. Lord, I pray that you will let Faith Westwood be the kind of community of people that uh, loves our community not in any kind of uh, way that looks down on anyone, but just say, you know, we're all sinners. <laughs> we all need grace, and uh, we have good news to share. So, Lord, we, we pray for our neighborhood here around the church and in the neighborhoods where so many of us live. Lord, let us be a little bit of a light for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.